Um, so that I, I that, that's a good topic. I, I guess I'll just start the recording. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the mm -hmm. Wednesday uh, weekly UK Sangha. And uh, we just started talking about uh, loving kindness meditation. So um, loving kindness as a means of uh, practice and a technique of practice. And um, it it's uh and it's part of the path so it's it's uh it's literally it's one of the four immeasurables so there's um four immeasurable qualities of mind uh that can be experienced uh through the purification of your own mind uh namely loving kindness compassion sympathetic uh altruistic or sympathetic joy and uh equanimity so any of these qualities of mind are conducive to um, samadhi and are conducive to jhana and then um, the realization of nibbana so um, essentially it's ca basic cause and effect so if you purify mind you're going to purify your feelings so if you're thinking loving thoughts all the time and you're um, if you're if a thought comes up that that is unloving and that that is um, that's a thought of cruelty or animosity or resentment or uh, judgment then there's a corresponding tension that you feel that goes along with that thought so uh, you'll feel like some kind of shitty feeling inside of you you're like oh I, I'm angry at this person and you're You'll be thinking and you think it feels good to be angry at this person, but really um, um, there's some kind of contraction going on in your uh, body mind mechanism. And then eventually you realize that it's not enjoyable. So like after you're done, like um, mentally masturbating to how angry you are, you realize that you've gotten yourself in a big pile of dukkha. So um, the consequences uh, become clear to you sooner or later for a lot of people later than sooner. And then this just leads to um, a habitual tendencies that they never wake up to and realize that they're causing themselves their own their own misery. Um, so, so the cycle continues the, the, it's like it's like they're hitting themselves on the head with the hammer and they're like blaming other people for for it. Um, that's essentially what it's like to uh, to experience the bad feelings that go along with uh, thoughts. Essentially, any thought that isn't loneliness, <coughs> compassion, equanimity, or um, uh, sympathetic joy. So this is where this is where we want to stay in. So this is the safest place for our mind to be in at all times. So it's not necessarily always loving kindness per se, like you're not always oh, feel the love, which is a, a very healing and very liberating feeling. But um, there's also equanimity. So a little bit of stoicism, a little bit of uh, um, holy indifference to 
what's going on uh, in the world and even in your life. So something something bad happens, some circumstance happens that's not within your control. And the normal response to do it is to start complaining about it, start lamenting about it in your own mind. Uh, think of yourself as a victim of this situation. Um, think think of the situation as cause of your suffering rather than uh, your reaction to it being cause of your suffering. So um, thinking of any situation, circumstance, or person, anything that happens in your life as cause of your suffering is uh, ignorance. And this is just a form of it's like a form of ill will. So there's 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 grosser and subtler forms of ill will. Um, ill will can come in the form of like overtly like hating someone and like not liking someone, but it can also come in more subtle versions of just complaining, for example, like complaining about something that's happened to you, maybe not verbally, but within your own mind, thinking, oh, this shitty thing happened to me. Why does this always happen to me? And it's always me. And I have to deal with these shitty people. And it, it sucks. Right? Or life sucks. It's the This is boring. <laughs> this is the same thing I have to do every day. So that's ill will. And, so, and that, that ill will has a corresponding uh, uh, negative emotional state that comes along with it. Um, so so uh, when we have that habit of mind over and over, throughout the years, uh, we developed the habit of feeling that way. So um, now that the body is perpetually uh, in a contracted state, we have to re-engineer um, the body-mind mechanism to get into a state of lightheartedness, a state of joy, uh, a state of loving kindness, a state of uh, equanimity. Um, and and the main way to do this is by uh, changing the thoughts that are happening within our own mind. So um, uh, once you get the thoughts in a wholesome direction and you get the thoughts uh, purified, uh, one wholesome thought after another, this will begin to uh, change, turn the tides of how the body feels. And um, oh, welcome, uh, Biku. It's it's wonderful to have you. Uh, we we're just uh, talking about loving kindness uh, meditation as a technique, and um, we're getting into um, the the cause and effect aspect of the kind of thoughts that uh, we're having in our mind uh, correspond with the kind of feelings. So um, if if we're allowing um, thoughts of cruelty, thoughts of ill will, uh, to perpetually continue in our own minds. Uh, um, we're going to feel um, corresponding suffering and contraction within the body. So um, again, the practice that uh, we're doing uh, with uh, loving kindness here is not just specific to only loving kindness, because um, that's one of the for immeasurables. So um, uh, there's also equanimity and there's also compassion. 
and then there's also sympathetic joy. So any of these uh, uh, four immeasurable qualities are completely wholesome. So if you have thoughts of loving kindness, one uh, wholesome thought after another of loving kindness, uh, or one wholesome thought after another of compassion or of equanimity. So I like to think of equanimity as a kind of holy indifference or a loving indifference. It's not, it's not, it's not, go ahead, Dean. Is equanimity, this is what I wanted to ask you as well. Is equanimity, is it a feeling like pity or sukha, or is it just a way of looking at things, a neutral kind of way of viewing things? Or is it a feeling? It's the, it's kind of the absence of feelings. So it's not, you're not feeling, so PT would be joy. So PT is like um, the, the uplifted um, brightening of the mind, the gladdening of the mind sort of uh it, it's energetic it 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 it, it br brings with it a clarity and an energy and an enthusiasm so pt can come in the form of just simply being interested in something so if, if you're reading something and you're and you're interested enough in it to just continue reading it because you're you're getting some kind of enjoyment out of the information that you're learning uh that's pt right there like it's kind of like a motivating energy yeah look, uh, and i know and i know the feeling of pity and sukha don't get me wrong i'm not saying i'm an expert oh yeah but no but I, i'm I, i'm gonna get to the equanimity if okay. you let me continue um <laughs> yeah the, so the equanimity um it it's uh it's kind of it's a state of um tranquil neutrality so so, so um, if we go in the order of the four jhanas, um, equanimity is kind of like the peaceful aftermath of joy and uh, comfortable comfort of body and tranquility of body. So, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that do you actually have to visit? Like nibbana is more like is nibbana more like the fourth jhana is like. It's just a place to go and cool off. But to get equanimity, do you have to visit Nibbana first before you can cultivate that? Well, the way the way that Buddha Dasa, the way that Buddha Dasa talks about Nibbana, it's there's kind of different degrees of Nibbana. So people conceptualize Nibbana as this completely far out thing that's almost makes it unattainable for yourself. But the the way uh, that we talk about Nibbana is literally just chilling out so nibbana means to cool off extinguishment and so there's there's different i always like to think of the dog the dog yeah i always like to think of the dog just chilling like dharma always says the dog's in nibbana when he's uh, that's how they used to use the term back in the day right it was more commonplace i don't know i don't know Pali. but um he was saying that how all right you can go for it yeah, so there, there's a dog. A dog's running around. The dog's restless, and then the dog sits there and it chills out in the same spot that it was chilling out before. So the mind does the same thing. The mind goes around. It it looks for something to satisfy it, and then eventually the mind um, says, "Okay, 
this is enough. This situation is enough and I can just chill out and sit here and not want anything. Um, so that would be like a cooling off. That would be Nibbana. But um, so but in in reference to the jhanas, um, you can think about entering uh, first jhana as the cessation of hindrances or the cessation of unwholesome thoughts and unwholesome feelings. So in, in a sense, that's kind of a nibbana. So uh, the craving and aversion within your own mind uh, passes away. Uh, um, so there's a nibbana of uh, that dukkha. Um, so it's it, it all has to do with dukkha, dukkha naroda. And then, but but there's still the qualities of first jhana. There, there's still the factors of first jhana. There's the um, there's the applied and sustained thought, or the thinking and examining thought. Um, so I like to think of it one wholesome thought after another. So um, a wholesome thought is essentially anything that has to do with uh, feelings of safety, security, and satisfaction. So this moment right here is enough and uh, there's no danger here. And so I can think thoughts of loving kindness. I can think uh, equanimous thoughts. I can think thoughts of compassion and I can think uh, thoughts of sympathetic joy. Um, and so if, if I get that ball rolling, if I'm thinking uh, completely pure thoughts, one pure thought after another, the feelings are going to start catching up with those thoughts. So you're going to start to feel the way that you're, uh, that the mind is thinking. And then this goes along with all of, um, and this, this, let alone just meditation, this goes along with the whole Eightfold Noble Path. So if you're if you're if you're thinking uh, in a way that's loving and kind, and you're feeling in a way that's loving and kind, naturally you're going to speak and act, et cetera, in a way that's loving and kind that feels good. And um, it's it's like it's it's literally like a feedback loop, because it feels so good to do it. Um, the mind will begin to inclined, incline towards uh, that direction of things more and more. So. Um, there, but but the the there's so much habitual tendency uh, to do otherwise uh, through our conditioning, um, through how we were taught by the society, through how we learn from our parents, and uh, through how we're raised. And uh, we looked we looked at dad, and we see how he reacts to situations, and um, it may not have been the most enlightened reaction, but that's. That's uh, who we mirror. So we uh, develop these um, unconscious tendencies to uh, make ourselves feel bad that we have to kind of re-engineer, reprogram, rewire by uh, consistent and diligent practice. Um, so th this, uh, when we sit down and we meditate, um, we're obviously doing this. But when we're out in the world, uh, we need to try to bring back that sati and remember the noble practice. So when somebody pisses you off, how quickly can you wake up to it? Not not judge yourself for getting pissed off, because then you're go you're not going to try to stop getting pissed off because you're you're going to just pretend that you don't get pissed off. 
So to be equanimous about what the situation uh, of your mind and of your feelings are in, just look at the situation with uh, equanimity and see, oh, this is the way that it is, is the first step. So you wakey-wakey to what's going on, and instead of uh, judging yourself for it, you can uh, change it in a wholesome direction then and there, and then uh, reap the benefits. So you're just changing the habit of your mind to uh, to a wholesome direction of things and a, and a place where that's conducive to um, unification of mind, that's conducive to samadhi, that's uh, conducive to serenity. Um, so that um, insight can be developed. Um, I think I think the most the the most common pro uh, problem with uh, Western Dharma uh, practitioners is they're they're lacking uh, the serenity aspect of things um, because uh, only when the mind comes into uh, in an, a pleasant and enjoyable and a satisfying um, state is when uh, the mind is sharp enough to um, discern uh, dependent origination, cause and effect, and uh, the the nature of how uh, dukkha uh, dissatisfaction arises, as well as how it passes away on more and more subtle levels. So um, there's grosser and there's subtle levels of our experience, of course. So um, um, entering into first jhana is the cessation of dukkha. But um, now you can look at subtle formations uh, of, re of reality as you experience it moment to moment. So the thinking and examining thought, you can kind of examine what does it feel like uh, to experience the body? What does it uh, feel like, what, what is it like to experience vision and moment to moment, frame by frame? So um, the, the, um, the, the sutta in the Pali Canon that goes through all the jhanas is uh, titled the Anupada Sutta. And the translation of that is literally one by one as they occur. So um, you're experiencing reality one by one as it occurs. So one thought as it occurs, one frame of vision as it occurs, one sound, uh, one feeling, um, essentially all of the building blocks of our experience. And um, you you pay attention to what's going on within uh, your own mind and your own body. Uh, you you can become an expert mechanic on how to navigate your own feeling mechanisms so that you can actually feel the way that you want to feel. And when you can feel the way that you want to feel, it just reinforces the ability to discern uh, reality as it actually is. And uh, Eventually, it all deconstruct can deconstruct itself, and um, the experience of nibbana on the macro scale of 
um, the cessation of perception of feeling um, is essentially the 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 whole fruition of the Dhamma, and then um, and then uh, you can keep doing what you're doing before, because you, <laughs> even if you experience even if you experience a a whole fruition that's impermanent too so as long as you're alive uh i i heard somebody say that all of conditioned reality is is dukkha relative to nibbana so even the jhanas there's some amount of dukkha there but it's it's a whole lot better to be in first jhana than it is to be in uh in the hindrances so we kind of want to make first jhana our home base we want to keep the mind in a in a wholesome state uh, so we can uh, keep the good times going. <laughs> so uh, I, I like to think of the 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 party pooper thoughts instead of hindrances. Um, everyone knows what it's like to be. Yeah, everyone knows what it's like to be in a good mood and like to oh, finally I'm happy. But then there's that first thought that comes in and poops the party. Oh shit, I gotta do this tomorrow. Or like, ah, oh, there's that. Or what about this thing that happened five years ago and that person rejected me? What about that embarrassing, ah, oh, I did that embarrassing thing I did. Now I feel bad, right? That's a party pooper thought. Um, so you wanna spot, the quicker you can spot these, the better you can get throwing them out. And uh, get back on that wholesome, uh, wholesome train, wholesome vibe train uh, that you got rolling. But um, the more you, the more you practice this, the more you get it rolling. Uh, it develops its own inertia, its own energy, um, uh, so you can get it. So it kind of comes back. It comes back more, but uh, it, it takes practice. Essentially, it's just like working. Starts out. coming when you're dreaming too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not dreaming right now, so I, d I don't know if it's coming when I'm dreaming, but, um, but it could like, you'll see it pop up more often in your like less conscious, like you're kind of coming from sleep to waking up that mid zone. Like the first thing that kicks on for me is like, start looking for the wholesome, start figuring out where I'm at. Like that's the first kind of thing that comes online. Perfect. Yeah. That, so that's right view. So taking inventory of what's going on inside of you so look looking uh honestly and clearly at what kind of thoughts and what kind of feelings i'm having um that that's the first step that's right uh right view comes first so just just the vantage point of looking at what's going on going on and uh there's a kind of equanimity with that so we can see that we're not always obviously we're not always going to be experiencing pleasant feelings there's unpleasant feelings there's pleasant feelings and there's neutral feelings but we can always just look at what's going on and be be like oh this is a pleasant feeling or oh this is a this is an unpleasant feeling it's nothing more nothing less it's so that's equanimity there you're practicing that, yes. so then like Scott, if when I'm in first jhana and and I'm just seeing reality unfold, um, just seeing how's it, just looking at things the way they are, that's practicing equanimity. 
without like looking at things with and trying not to have any perception when I'm looking at them. Just looking if I'm looking at my foot there now, so I'm just looking at that with no feeling or perception towards it. That's practicing equanimity, is it? Just yeah, just see it for what it is. So in, instead of making a mental map or a mental construct about how uh, the experience of uh, immediate sensate reality, we just experience it as it comes. So you just take life as it comes like, oh, I'm breathing. I can experience all of the sensations uh, happening from my nose to uh, my chest expanding. And I can experience what what does it feel like for my actual um, diaphragm to expand and all of the different parts of my body that are actually experienced um, just by breathing. And um, then I can notice how pleasant it actually feels to breathe. And the willingness to feel that is kind of equanimity, like the willingness to be that engaged. Uh, not holding back. They're kind of equanimous with what's coming up. So, um, equanimity is satisfying, and so is joy, and so is compassion, and so is sukha, and so is um, so is loving kindness. So it's it's more about the satisfaction than it is about one particular thing. So I wouldn't get too obsessed with equanimity or um, trying to practice equanimity. I think the main point here is to practice being satisfied. So um, it can come in different forms, right? There's seven enlightenment factors. Um, yeah. Um, but um. Jeez, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, so back to uh, this the the practice of anapanasati. So so um, once we've gotten enough junk out of our mind, okay, you're heading out. Oh, it's good to have you. Joy to see you. Bye bye. Um, I'm gonna head out too, guys. Good to see you guys. Right. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, have fun. Yeah, you too. Okay, so once uh, we we gotten enough junk out of our minds to actually breathe and experience what it's like to to experience the sensations of the breath uh, moment to moment, uh, we can experience also the sensations of the body moment to moment. So, what does it actually feel like for the shirt to touch your skin as you breathe? When you breathe. Your chest expands and there's a slight movement against uh, your shirt. And you can feel those subtle sensations. And then also you can feel what is what does it feel like for your butt to be against the chair? And what does it feel like uh, in your neck? And what does it feel like in your back? So now that we are looking at the sensations of the body with clarity and equanimity is we might we might be able to discover um, there is tension if there's no tension great soak it up enjoy it just sit there 
nice and uh, relaxed and comfortable and just enjoy that how marvelous it is to, to to be comfortable in your own body it's really a great feeling um but if there is a tension now we can uh release that tension that we were experiencing in the background and have brought to the foreground so how do we release that tension by taking satisfying breaths and thinking wholesome thoughts <sighs> everything's fine right now i don't need to worry about anything um it's all good um if anyone else has any examples of wholesome thoughts feel free to shoot shoot them out there but essentially thoughts that feel good um feel warm feel cozy feel satisfying feels like uh okay i can let my guard down now i can release some of those tensions that i was holding on to some of those tensions that are connected with uh sort of like the survival instinct a uh, self-preservation instinct so the body might be tense because um, there's some amount of fear that's involved I feel uncomfortable in my bed. So um, if you're in your bed you, you, and you feel uncomfortable, um, maybe try sitting down somewhere and sitting upright. Um, there is a, um, I mean, it, it, is, it is good to, to, yeah, or you can just, or if you're feeling uncomfortable in your bed, you can say, wow, how great it is that I can just lie here in bed. I don't have to do anything right now. Just chill in bed. But um, if you've been lying down for a long time and uh, it depends on the type of discomfort that's in the body. So um, there's some it's, it's important. It's important to uh, know the difference between uh, bodily discomfort that's caught that's psychological. So it's caused by the worry in your own mind and the restlessness within your own mind. But there's also bodily discomfort that maybe you do need to change position. You've been sitting that way and your leg is starting to hurt. It's not more wise to just sit there through the pain, like maybe just stretching it out, changing position, or you're lying in bed and you've been lying in bed for too long. Maybe it's better to go for a walk. So just go for a walk or, or, or sit upright. So, so yeah, so like in retreats. Um, so, but there, so there's like physical discomfort that's caused by a bodily need to change position, but that's not the discomfort I'm talking about here. I'm talking about um, the bodily discomfort caused by the psychological restlessness. And that's the one that we consciously release. Um, and um, if you find that you're not able to release it, then go back to uh, the breath and the wholesome thinking. Uh, so that's kind of like the progression. Is there any um, questions?
I have a couple of questions, but I'm already after asking enough. So DJ or Eric or Anna, come in there. And... Oh, go for oh, it, Dean. Dean. Go for it, Dean. Yeah, okay. I was okay. Sorry, guys, but uh, you were talking about like when we speak to ourselves in hopes and thoughts, it takes the feelings a while to catch up, but once we keep doing it, they do. Why is that? Or, or how do you? Oh, yeah. you're saying why does it take uh, some time for the feelings to catch up? Yeah, when you because you said earlier on we talk ourselves, we talk good thoughts to ourselves, but it takes a while for the feelings, the good feelings, to catch up to follow them thoughts. Why yeah. is that? You know. Yeah, well, it's like uh, when you start. If it was really cold last night, you start your car, right? The engine doesn't immediately get warm. So it, if you're trying to put the heater on. You have to drive it around, so you have to use the car. You start it, but you have to drive it around for the engine to eventually warm up and start blowing warm air through the heater. So it's the same with our mind. Our mind is in dukkha. Our mind is in hindrance for so long. Um, one wholesome thought is starting the engine, but we we got to drive it around a little. We got to get it. Done. So, you, you got to warm up the engine, but one, once it does get warm, you're humming right along. Another analogy is like uh, the swing. So yeah, you have to push the swing harder at first, but once it's swinging back and forth, you just need a little tap, a little tap to keep the inertia going. But at first it, it required a little bit more effort, a little more one wholesome thought after another of, uh, consistent practice um and uh, uh, uh then then now you're just having it now you're just kind of chilling out uh one more wholesome thought one more and you can put some space in between those thoughts so you can now that you're in a wholesome state you don't have to be thinking thought that wholesome thoughts like that you can think a wholesome thought and you can let the mind rest for a little bit and then maybe just put another one in there. So it's like stoking a fire almost. So when you're first starting a fire, you have to get the kindling, you have to get all the a bunch of thoughts together. You have to get it started. You have to really take care of it to make sure that flame doesn't go out. So you have to really pay attention to the flame, get it going. But once once it's burning, you can just throw a, a log on there every once in a while. Um, it's the same way. Okay, that answers that question. And it's just like when Dan Morata talks about pushing the car. He, I've heard him say it a thousand times. It's hard to get going, but once you get going, there you go. Yeah, you know. it's it really is just simple cause and effect. It's really just that it and like doing this um, reveals how the mind how the mind and the universe operates. It's really like abiding by natural laws. It's like it's. It's on, it's like physics. If you look at physics and you look at like the property of inertia and uh, the property of e even like getting a rocket into space is the same thing. Like it takes a lot of um, fuel to like get that rocket off the ground. Once you get it going, then it's in space. It's in orbit. It just needs. Psh, psh, psh. And then eventually. It doesn't need any fuel at all, and it comes to a complete stop, and that would be uh, Nibbana. 
that makes sense. And when you, because I know you visited Nibana twice, you, like you spoke to us about that already. What did, did you have any work to do when you were in Nibana, Scott? Or was it just, did you just have to try hold it as long as you could? Or what? Because I know in the higher genres, you hear some stories of people like the, they might be looking at the horizon of passing away or stuff like that. What, what did you do? Did you just hang out there for a while? Or, or did you have some work to do? Um, Nibbana is kind of like, it doesn't really last that long, but the relief is, the relief is almost, it's transcendent. So it goes beyond space and time and body and mind. So it's like the, the Nibbana moment may not even be longer than like 30 seconds, even 10, five seconds of the cessation of perception and feeling. But that cessation is so profound because of the relief that is experienced uh, afterwards. So there's a flood of transcendent joy. There's a flood of, oh, like everything makes sense now. I've seen what what the way it really is. And it turns out there's nothing, there really is nothing to worry about. So <laughs> what I was practicing in the beginning has come to the full fruition. So you're practicing in the beginning. Ah, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's good, all good. I can be satisfied. But uh, Nibbana is just the full realization of that um, to the very fiber reality itself realizes itself and there's no problems. And um, that strikes you to your very core in a way that's uh, in a way that's sort of um, any doubt that you had about the practice or any doubt that you had about what is and isn't the practice is completely destroyed. So you realize, oh, this, there's, this is a real thing. Like there's really something to this. And it's the same thing when you get into first jhana, right? So it's just different degrees of the same nibbana. So first jhana is just the cessation of uh, of uh, of the hindrances. Second jhana is just the cessation of the thinking and examining thought. Um, third jhana is just the cessation of the piti then. And then fourth jhana is just, just the cessation yeah. of um, the sukha then. And then uh, nibbana is just the cessation of uh, perception and feeling. So even the perceiving of equanimity and the feeling of fourth jhana um, passes away. So even though it seemed like all this other stuff passed away, there's still some more stuff that can pass away in terms of the perceptual mechanisms. And when that passes away, then there's the fruition of the Dhamma and um, insight into uh, the real nature of reality um, as it actually is. Um, so are you a smoker? Because in the in the in the sangha, it's open. People can talk about this kind of stuff. So are you a sort upon yet, or do you have to? You said something about fruition. Do you have to go through fruition first? So this is the this is why we. It's not like, it's not useful to talk about this kind of things. Like, oh, I'm this or I'm that. You know that, but we're, like, we're that. in the sangha, so it's open. 
we have, we have heard Damarata say that a hundred times. It, this is open in the Sangha. We're in the Sangha now. No, but like if you, yeah, but if you, um, if you hmm. ask Damarato, like, oh, are you in Arhat or are you whatever, he's just going to avoid the question because the question is missing the point. The point is what is not what I am or am not. It's just totally... and it gives us some more motivation and energy to keep going because we can reach it. That's but that's what all the thing I've been talking about. I've been telling you that Nibbana is a real experience. I know that. I know that. And we believe you, but like that's the motivation. So um I'm telling you, but the point is the satisfaction. Even Nibbana is impermanent. You can the 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 weird thing is you can make the you can experience nibbana for yourself and then you can actually cling on to that and cause that your own suffering again by saying oh i had this fantastic experience and now i'm not and now i need wish it was that way so here i am in fact i'm just sitting here a regular guy just with no thoughts and feelings and At I, least i'm just sat a regular guy scott no don't be putting yourself down I'm just a regular guy, but that's the thing. It's see, like, um, the if you put it on a pedestal, it's not like a real thing. It's not that. It's not that um, unattainable. The only, the only, the real way that it's attained is by um, being in a wholesome state of mind uh, here and now. And but but being in a wholesome state of mind is all you need to do. That's the goal. The only goal here is Dukkha Niroda. So the, the goal isn't what you imagine Nibbana to be. The goal is uh, coming into satisfaction uh, in this moment. And um, if you are satisfied in this moment and you're happy to be here and you're enjoying the conversation, that's enough. That's it. Nothing, we don't need anything more than that. You don't need a fancy attainment. You don't need a fancy enlightenment. All of those things are mental constructions. They don't exist in the reality as we experience it here and now. The real this this moment is all you're ever going to get. And until you realize that, you'll suffer. So that that's the point. That's why the question is not only because it like it puts me in an awkward position to like say like oh I'm this, um, and also it doesn't help the person asking either. Like okay. I try, like I I I I I look at I look at my experience from moment to moment as it unfolds to me and I don't or at least the goal, the goal for me is not to change it any anywhere overlay or be like oh this set of sensations this body mind that's thinking hearing feeling cognizing touching is enlightened and is this attainment and so let me write a reddit let me go on reddit and talk about it <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous. Like that's kind of like missing the point.
Is there any other questions, comments? If yeah, anyone... Thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. And and it's a yeah, it's I think it's an interesting topic, you know. That's just my response to the topic. Um, um yeah. If anyone had if anyone wants to talk about their practice, share anything, any success, any DJ? And no, that just made me think of uh, sort of the Zen quote, um, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Let's <laughs> just come back to this and enjoy it. I think what's cool, though, is that, again, um, through all the different things, they're all kind of supporting each other. You know, before we were talking about like equanimity, right, and sort of. Um, being able to see past, um, like, the Vedana, right? So the feelings of liking, disliking, unsure, right? I mean, part of that is seeing that those change. Okay, cool. And and we, 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 we pull back, and then that makes it so, again, when the sukha arises or whatever, it just, it, it, again, it's just, it, it returns more frequently almost in, in a way when, when we stumble upon these things. So all these things support and work together in a, in a beautiful way. This is why, like, again, playing with the pitsy, playing with, with that as well, really working in the confidence and that feeling of success supports the practice. It supports the sukha. The sukha supports that. And then again, the equanimity supports that as well. And all this just goes to chilling out. And really, that's the thing. Can you oh, chill out Nibbana now? Right there. Yeah, that's Nibbana right there. Because yeah. because <laughs> Nibbana is the cessation of uh, perception and feeling. But in order to go from feeling bad to feeling good and feeling wholesome, the previous feeling had to pass away in order for the new one to arise. So this happens every moment with all of our experience. <laughs> Every thought you're having is passing away, is having a nibbana. Every feeling you experience is arising, existing, and passing away, having a nibbana. And this goes for all of all of your experiences. Nibbana, like nibbana, is right now. Nibbana is not sep is not separate from samsara. Um, yeah. So nibbana is now. Um, get it while it's hot. Uh, don't wait for Nirvana to happen in the future. It's never going to happen. It's never going to come. Uh, it's not, it's literally now or never. Um, uh, is there anything else? Now that you say that, um, I have a quirky question. If Nirvana is more in the passing away side, passing away side, then is Dukkha more in the arising side, in the first half of the right now? Yeah, so Dukkha is the arisal, and Dukkha Niroda is the passing away. That's essentially what the whole path is, like the dependent origination of Dukkha, and then the dependent origination of the passing away of dukkha. Like to even say that it's something is really not the right idea or the right concept of it. It's really just the absence of dukkha. Um, but not just 
the absence of a certain part of Duca, the absence of Duca, any Duca whatsoever, period, which is the most sublime experience. And it's really the truth of reality, the true nature of reality as it is without our dukkha creating processes going on. So the whole point is to realize that the dukkha is uh, created. It's dependently originated by the functions of our mind. And the functions of our mind, although it is reality itself unfolding, um, the functions of our mind can be learned and mastered uh, so that uh, uh, we can realize where the functions of our minds came from and what the functions of our minds really are so that we're no longer a prisoner, so we're no longer bounded, so we're no, no longer confined to the prison of the self-identity construct um, that's really born out of the ignorance of the whole picture, of the whole picture of reality, of the Dhammakaya, the full body of things. Um, so in, so instead, instead of funneling reality through the lens of I, me, or mine, we take out that funnel, we take out that filter, just experience the whole thing, the whole shebang. Um, and it's amazing. You know? All right. Well, um, I think that's a good uh, place to at least end the recording um, for the YouTubers. So um, everyone say goodbye to YouTube. <laughs> uh, bye, YouTube.